This is All Things Tibet Podcast, episode 22. I'm Brittany. I'm Francesca. And today we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about um, season two of Gen Q, episode three. Yep. And a little bit about episode two, because we didn't actually do like a true review of episode two. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to talk about the last episode of the original series in season one, which is a pretty historic Tibet episode. With a pretty, yes. I should say with a pretty historic, um, a few pretty historic scenes. Yes, and controversial. Yes, very controversial. So let's say, and I think we mentioned this last time, and I think Taylor and I actually talked about this two episodes ago, that this season of Gen Q is phenomenal. Amazing. We're only three episodes in and I'm hooked. So historically I would watch, I would watch the episodes of Gen Q and just kind of like forward, fast forward to the bet scenes or, you know, Alice scenes or mm-hmm. Tina and Bet when, when Laurel was in the show for two episodes. But this time I'm actually very interested in all of the plots that are all the storylines that are going on. I don't know. What do you think is different that the new the new cast are so much more appealing this time around. I think it's because we know them. Last season, last season, you know, the first season coming back into it. I mean, I didn't watch it live, but one thing I feel like a lot of older fans or like fans that had watched the show and then was waiting for Gen Q to happen, they were, you know, everyone was anticipating something and no one was sure what they were gonna get. And now like you watch season one of Gen Q and like you meet the characters, you kind of get to know them, but you're still kind of invested in like what was happening with the old characters where now I feel like so much time has passed and we're jumping into season two of Gen Q. You know know all the characters, you know where all their stories left off. So now you're excited to see what's going on with them as well. I also think the pacing of season two is a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, one thing I felt about Gen Q, even though the episodes are like an hour long, I still felt like they were short. And I think it's because of the way they were cut, in my opinion, the way that the stories were blocked out. Season two, there's a lot more integration between characters. A lot of the younger cast is integrated with the older cast. They're all blended together. Um, and I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, so I I do 100% agree with what you're saying. I think there was... There was like this, um, there was like two worlds in the first season, right? Like, you know, half of the cast had scenes together and the other half had scenes together. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing, like you said, a lot more overlap, like even um, uh, Micah and Nat being in a scene together that we saw this episode. And also just like, obviously Gigi meeting Danny, which we know is going to be a big storyline coming up. Um, Well, I guess we don't know for sure, but we can, we can probably count on it being a pretty big deal. Yeah, and even um, like the poker game, you know, Alice brought Sophie where why would Sophie ever be in a room with Bet? and then like Finley's there and that obviously added drama, but why would those characters ever be together? And it's because they have to invite each other from their worlds yeah. to come together. Yeah, which is, I think that now that you mention it, I think that's a big thing of what was missing in season one and it feels um, more familiar because of course we know that they all of the cast in the original series kind of had a link to one another and mm-hmm. their friendships you know whether it be bet or alice or shane they all knew one another they started the series out that way so yes. it wasn't like um anyone knew was really joining outside of jenny but she got acclimated with everyone pretty quick mm-hmm. so um but this episode 
well, I guess we should probably talk, like I said, a little bit about um, episode two. Um, episode two is the first time that we see Gigi and Bet like um, outside of their first date. We see this uh, very, um, how, what word would you use to describe their scene together in Bet's living room? Steamy. Steamy, which is the yes. word Zapita used to describe her season. Steamy is accurate. Jennifer outsold. Jennifer Good. outsold. She looks just as good as she did. So it's a Peter, but I, I, I expected that from her, but Jennifer outsold. Yes, yes. Bet and Gigi are interesting because they are both so amazingly like sexy and gorgeous women, right? Mm-hmm. But we knew from the start there was no way this was ever going to work long term. Like, no. we're already seeing in this you know, episode three, this relationship disintegrating right in front of our face. Yeah. And (laughs) And they're just too similar. They are, but it, the thing is like, I'm someone who's like watching the show and like, I'm watching in a sense of like, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing Yes, as it happens. Like, I'm not trying to anticipate anything. I'm not trying to think about anything else. It's like, what they're giving me is what I'm going to enjoy. And then we're going to keep moving as it happens. But with Bet and Gigi and like maybe their crumbling relationship it's really I feel like Gigi was really really trying yeah. like she was trying to be this but Bet has walls up and Bet's always going to have walls up because no one's going to be Tina when you get down to it Gigi was really trying to connect with Bet and I think Bet was trying to really is trying to enjoy their time together yeah. and is trying to enjoy that relationship a little bit and you see aspects of it um but I think in episode three when Bet blows up on Gigi it's Bet I mean I feel like if I was in Bet's situation I would also blow up on someone who maybe didn't need to be there right that second or like she needed her space she did and she made it clear like it's not a good time and Gigi is is a lot like Bet in that she just wants to be there and be helpful and she just pushed it and Mm -hmm. Gigi even said like maybe I'm projecting a little bit on you the interesting thing to me is that given the timing of the fact that Gigi you know Alice and Nat broke up with Gigi more recently than Tina and Bet separated and divorced Gigi really seemed to just kind of bounce back whereas like Bet is still like I'm sure she's the difference is like she's having to deal with the fact that now Tina's engaged so that's a whole other yeah. like hurdle to get over right but like Gigi really is just kind of going with the flow and I think I said to you like over the weekend or on Friday like Gigi to me is a less tense version of that yeah she doesn't like she doesn't take things as seriously and she really can roll with the punches whereas like yeah. that is not as flexible in my opinion mm-hmm. um but 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 Gigi definitely has like that very alpha energy big time i think Gigi's also self-aware yes um where bet isn't always self-aware and i think Gigi has taken the time to work on herself yeah bet i'm sure bet and i think bet has worked on herself but maybe not as soon Gigi probably went to therapy and bet hasn't that's the difference (laughs) yes bet hasn't been to therapy since they saw uh dan foxworthy in the liquid heat episode in season five (laughs) exactly and they figured it out themselves love it but with also with Gigi, i feel with like the whole Alice and Nat thing to me that wasn't like a real relationship for them like it was they were together but they for me for Gigi to like have to end it with them I don't feel like she was that heartbroken over it sure yeah 
they were all really just kind of going with the flow with that for sure. And then yeah. Alex realized like she can't be going with the flow when it comes to her relationships, which we're seeing more of this season. One of the things I was thinking about today that is going to be, um, I think, I think is probably going to be a at least a topic of conversation, maybe a continued topic of conversation, specifically with Gigi and Danny, is that Danny is so, um, she's so against cheating, right? Like that was the huge deal breaker with Sophie. And we know that Gigi has history of cheating on her wife. So I just wonder like how all that is going to go down and are they going to use it as like an opportunity for Gigi to like, not that I don't think, I think Gigi w it was remorseful that she did that and she hurt Nat, but maybe we'll see a little bit more of that, like, vulnerable side of Gigi through Danny. I think so, because I was thinking about that this weekend as well. I was like, wait, Gigi cheated. Danny doesn't have tolerance for cheating. Danny's just also such, like, a sweet, not that Gigi's not a sweet soul, but Danny just has like a more like innocence to her, I feel. Yeah. Like even the way that she like stares at Bet or she stares at Gigi, she has that like that very innocent look to her. Yeah. And I feel where Gigi and Bet are not more mature, but they've they've seen some things. They've been sure. through, they've had they have way more life experience than Danny. Yeah, for and sure. They've they've had the failed marriages and the failed relationships and the they've gone through it with their parents and yeah. And Danny is is really mirroring kind of Beth's behavior that we saw in season one. Like she's just picking up the pieces of her life. And mm -hmm. um, the difference being that she's confiding in Gigi. I don't know if there actually is a big difference because Gigi is in a relationship right now, whereas Beth was confiding in Felicity, who was married. Yeah. Um, when she first divorced Tina and, and Kit passed. So um I think as long as Bet and Danny don't end up being a couple, I'm going to be perfectly fine with what go, what happens going forward. Exactly. And not see those two as a match. So I hope that is not on the horizon. But I don't even know where people get it from. No. It comes out of such left field because it's such a mentoring relationship in my eyes. Like that would be like matching Peggy Peabody and Bet. Yeah, it's like just that's not... how I see it. I get it. They're two beautiful looking women let's put some common sense like let's yeah not everyone needs to sleep together yeah <laughs> well and so the other big portion of what's going on right now is that angie has been really adamant that she wants to take this dna test in this we find out that she did she discovers that she has a half sister and what we also see in the trailer for next episode for episode four is that he's dying marcus yeah. Allen is dying um so she takes a pretty big step by meeting her of course Beth is there and panicked just absolutely panicked but Alice and Shane are you know there for her and, and um a huge support to her in that process but Tina was not there no and I think there was like a lot of talk about it mm -hmm. within the fandom and my stance on it I'm not saying my stance is more correct than anyone else's but my stance on it was when Bet got full custody of Angie Tina trusts Bet to make the right decisions. And Tina obviously cannot be there for whatever reason. We don't know where Tina is. We can't assume that she's in Los Angeles. We can't assume that she's anywhere. Bet made that decision to bring her there. And I think Tina would probably appreciate Bet being there instead of Angie sneaking off and doing it on her own. And like Bet got to be there with Shane and Alice and 
Yeah, I think you're right because there were definitely life events of Angie's that Tina missed in season one. You know, it just happened to be that Angie was taking her driving test when Tina showed up, but that wasn't planned. When she switched schools, Tina wasn't there. I think that's the thing, right? When I watched season one of Gen Q, and I did watch it live, except for the first few episodes, the big thing I was hoping for was that Tina would come back and that we could see more scenes of them together. Mm-hmm. And I love Tibet, and I, I, I do truly hope that they're going to be reunited at some point. Yeah. Um, but much like you, I think that the true test of what's going on now with Gen Q versus the hope I didn't have for it in season one is that it can stand without Tibet actually reuniting. Yeah. Which it I didn't have hope that that would be the case last season. Definitely. It could be a full functioning show without that relationship, which is, it's it's like sad if you like love Tibet, but also it's great because the show still can stand on its own. And that's a really big positive because we don't know what we're going to get with Laurel. Laurel is not a full-time actor. Where's Tina? Oh, (laughs) don't get me started. When you get that tattooed on your forehead, then what? I am. I I think I have a good size forehead for it. Um, But yeah, like it's not, I don't think the writers are writing Tina out. I don't think Marsha is purposely leaving Tina out. It's Laurel's schedule. It's the Mm storyline. We have to trust also in Jennifer and Leisha and Kate because they also get some sort of, they get a, you know, a minor portion of approval that they're telling the story that they feel is appropriate. Yeah. It may not be what we all want, but it's what's appropriate and what's going to make good television. And I think too that um, for as many people that are disgruntled that, you know, Tina's on around more and blah, blah, blah. Like, we need to stop acting like Jennifer Beals is the showrunner. Yeah. Stop blaming her. Exactly. There are so many more powers that be that she has to report to. Like, like, and people come after Marja, but Marja's not the only creator of the show. Eileen and Kathy and Michelle Abbott, they're still involved. They're, yeah. still, they're still on every, they're giving credit every single episode, and they were last season. They're just not as vocal and as I mean out there promoting the show and doing interviews and things but they are still very much involved yeah so it's not like a one person making a decision type of show yeah. it's it seems like it's a very collaborative storytelling like um opera like room that they're using yeah and I think that you know Marja definitely could have found a way to just like get rid of Tina, right? Like she could have just oh. written her as the villain. She mm-hmm. could have written her as a horrible mother that just abandons them. She could have done a number of things. Um, but I do feel like given what she can get from Laurel, she, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. And I know people don't want to sit there and blame Laurel and not blame her in a negative way, but like say like, oh, you know, her career is just not taking her in this direction. But that's the truth. That's the facts. <laughs> And it's very clear when she is talking about art, that is her true passion. We know that. And I would not be surprised if she, you know, she has her, her time with Gen Q and that's it. Like, I would not be surprised if that's the last time she really truly acts because her art career is so successful and keeps her so busy. She's talked about this repeatedly in interviews Mm -hmm. about how like, it's not as, you know, quick of a turnaround as, you know, filming is that she, mm-hmm. when she's booked, she's booked years in advance, which we know to be true because uh, London has been rescheduled a number of times already. 
and she's still working on the pieces for that show mm -hmm. she still is she's still posting on instagram regularly that she's still working on those pieces so i'm torn because on one hand like i said i i, I want I truly in my heart i do want to see tibet reunite and i want to see them back together and much like jennifer and laurel have said like i do want them to earn it right I think though, I'm very, I'm a much bigger fan of Bet in Gen Q than I was in the original series. So I mm -hmm. am excited to get to know this other side of her. I've noticed that. I've noticed you like take on like this little, like I love Bet persona and it's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, cause I had a hard time with her in the original series. Yeah. Um, I did. A lot of her decision-making was just like, whoa, what are you doing? Um, but I feel like she has grown a lot and she just has this like, this maturity about her that maybe she lacked a little bit in the beginning. Like she's not as quick to fly off the handle as she once was. Yeah. I think she'll still fly her, off the handle though. <laughs> oh yeah. Def, yeah. She'll definitely fly off the handle. I think seeing her as a mother in Gen Q has been like a big difference. And I think that's a really fantastic story that we get to see being told. Totally. I think that um I think that's maybe one of the reasons too why it doesn't sting as hard that Tina's not in every episode is because she has um angie yeah and we get to see that dynamic in their family is like so very much there yeah can i talk about a continuity error for a moment yeah you about that, that. uh-huh <laughs> we love to see uh so when bet and tina got the sperm from marcus allen wood bet says in dan foxworthy's office that we know his sperm will work because he already has kids that would mean that he has kids older than angie yeah now, angie only found her one sibling her one half sister, mm -hmm. Kayla, who was younger than her by two years. Mm -hmm. So where is so there? We, yeah. So we're never getting them. Like they, they, they changed the timeline. They changed it. It's fine. Also, Marcus Allen Wood was dating. Like, remember that the whole episode where the woman was going after Tina? Yeah. So it's like, is that Kayla's mother? We don't know. But I mean, it was two years later after Andrew was born that Kayla that was born appeared to be Asian and I don't get any sense. Kayla does not appear to be Asian at all. So if, no. if that's the case, bad casting on their part. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't know. You're right about that. And do they say that he had a kid or he has kids? Uh, that I don't remember. Okay. Okay. But he definitely had a kid before Angie was created, but that is no more. And they, the big thing that they're focusing on, right, is that we told we told Marcus that we would not reveal his identity until Angie was 18. Yes. I don't remember those conversations happening in the original. I don't remember those conversations happening either. They didn't happen. Like, that's just a fact. They didn't happen in the show. But that's probably something that we could just assume happened. Yeah. Like, over time that they agreed to. Yeah. Because um, they did have that contract that people were signing and stuff that they were. Sure, sure. I think that that it's an exciting storyline for Angie. I'm curious there. I mean, IMDb doesn't have Marcus Allen Wood like in the show, but the guy that I, so when I listened to the DVD commentary on the first episode, on the pilot episode, uh, Eileen mentions that the guy who plays Marcus Allen Wood wasn't an actor before he was on the L word. He was like a house painter. Nice. And they found him be from like a someone of a someone was getting their house painted and they were like, you know what, this guy fits the description for Marcus Allen would perfectly. Let's see if he'll do it. Oh. I could be, I, I'm pretty sure that that's how it went. And then he ended up getting some acting gigs. Like he's some guy from Vancouver. 
Yeah, I mean, he did have like three scenes in the L word. That that was yeah. it. It's not <laughs> yeah. like he's just he's not. It wasn't like Angus who like continued to come back and you know spent a season with them or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see what they're gonna like how this will unfold with the sister and the and Marcus and I almost wonder if if Angie decides to meet him if it's not gonna be actually shown if we're mm-hmm. there's gonna talk about it um kind of like yeah. how they just talked about how they told Angie that Carrie and Tina were engaged last season mm-hmm. could be I'm excited to see Angie and Shane talk about it yes yes me too me too. Um, I am very much looking forward to episode five when Carrie and Tina are back. Um, yes. It's going to be, um, I think that was probably going to be like one of the most. It's going to be heavy. Explosive episodes. Of the yes. <laughs> well, Jordan mentioned in an interview that it was one of her favorite episodes. Um, I also found that line from Nika where he says that he specializes in family grief counseling. And I think that's a foreshadowing moment is, and we saw the promo photos that he will be meeting with Angie. So I think that that was like a hint of what's to come. Sure. And there's a lot of grief that has to be talked about. We got Kit, we got Marcus now. I mean, we could talk about Bet's father. We could talk about Tina's imaginary family. We, there's a lot of people that could be discussed. In the this sky movie. is truly the limit. Truly. And I did also notice for anyone keeping up, uh, Pippa is not in episode five. Just saying. Just putting that fun fact out there. Yeah, so we know that she is in a lot of episodes though. She's in four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So she's only not in episode five. Yeah, she's only not in episode five, but then she'll be around for the next six episodes. What are your predictions on that relationship? My predictions have gone back and forth so much. When it was first announced that Pippa was going to be a character, at first I was like, oh, this is going to be someone that's going to come between Tibet. And then I saw that promo shot of them like slow dancing in the trailer. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cute. I was like, what if they're going to be like really like soft and like have really nice moments? I thought the chase to find her was going to be a little longer, but it seems like that's going to be resolved in episode four. So maybe it's not going to be, it's going to be a one episode deal to find uh, Pippa and then now I feel like when Jennifer did that interview where she says that she finds love this season and I forgot who mentioned this to us I don't know maybe it was Phoebe who said this Pippa's not going to it was Gigi that she was referencing and then Pippa might just Pippa might actually just be someone that she works with and has maybe a one night stand with because we do have hints that she does sleep with Pippa yeah, and it also could be her way of kind of grieving this relationship with Gigi because she truly thinks they're girlfriends and Gigi's ready to marry Danny, apparently. I also, I feel like Gigi was on board with the girlfriends until Bet yelled at her. Yes. And then when she was at dinner with Gigi and saw that they had a connection, she was like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work. And then also hanging up on Bet in the car, you could see that as like a move of being like, oh yeah, I'm going to ignore her because I'm kind of interested when I'm doing like talking to this person. But also who would really answer their phone if you had someone else in the car, knowing that Bet's, Bet's probably one, call, Bet was calling her possibly about two different things. One, to apologize. And then two, she had just found that Pippa's in Topanga, California, which is yes. right outside of Los Angeles. So she was calling her about two things. She probably wanted to go drive up there with her that night like 
that's stalker. true knowing that that is true that was that was ready to be like i got my overnight bag let's go we're gonna stalk this woman from the car from the tesla and she's just like i can't i'm getting to know my next i'm getting to know my second wife so exactly. i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> well there are a lot of exciting things on the horizon i'm very much looking forward to thursday at 11 p.m to watch the new episode lucky you that it's thursday at 11 p.m and not midnight on Friday. Yeah, because then some of us end up staying up till 4 a.m. and then having to wake up at 8 a.m. for work. That's wild. I did not stay up that late. I think I stayed up until like quarter to two, maybe. Mostly because I was having a breakdown about Tibet with you. You were having a major breakdown and, and I didn't know how to support you in that. <laughs> oh, I was very, just so you know, okay. I'm a social worker, right? Like I... I'm typically the one that's you know consoling people and they and everything don't go to francesca phoebe and caitlin if you are in a panic they will provide no help zero zero don't don't say i'm going through a life crisis i need someone to talk to let me reach out to these three gals don't do it turn <laughs> around find someone else else some find somebody else to speak with anyone at you know at that point find bet porter to talk to i don't know <laughs> this is getting like ruder and ruder <laughs> I was having my own breakdown about the episode. I couldn't support you in your Tibet breakdown. I know. We I feel like all, we, we were we all, all breaking down for different reasons. I feel yeah. like we all enable each other. That's the problem. We really do. It's just, it's too much. <laughs> so switching gears to the season finale of season one. Yes. Take it away. Episode 14. Limb to limb. So the first scene that we could probably talk about is right when it opens. It opens with present day. Um, Bet had just pulled into the parking garage. She's very conflicted in her face, very distraught, um, very clearly upset. And she sees Candace from across the way in her little beat up pickup truck. And Bet climbs into her car, climbs into the pickup truck, looks at Candace and goes, take me somewhere. I can't, I'm an apologist. I can't. I, there, I, there's nothing I could apologize for in this episode. I'm going to put that out there right now. All I could say is that Bet looked very guilty. She didn't really want to do it, but something was telling her to do it. You know, here's the thing. Why it just, it doesn't make sense to me for a number of reasons, okay? If it were somebody like, let's say, Gigi, that they have very noticeable, palpable chemistry, I could see how Bet would have this, like, you know, guilty, but also like, you know, irresistible attraction to her. I never got that sense of Bet and the plumber ever. No. And I think because I think with the, with the plumber or carpenter, it wasn't, it had home nothing. Yeah. Home wrecking whore. It had nothing to do with really anything. I think it was purely like a release. I need, like she needed sex and she needed to release and she needed to be in control of something. And Candace was willing to give her that and to help her escape from reality. Sure. And I think that's really what it was because nothing, it doesn't line up at all. Nothing adds up with it. No. And you know, when I reflect on the other partners that Tina and Bet have had besides each other, there are very few, I feel like they've had this like undeniable chemistry with. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the person I feel like Tina had the most chemistry with outside of Bet was Brenda. Yes. I only saw her for like two minutes and many will argue that the only other person in the original series that bet had chemistry with outside of tino was the twink in new york yeah 
or the wall in the prison cell. That's right. So, and, and my question is like, if you're listening to this episode and you have a Twitter account, put it out into the world. I want to know, do you think that there is any other character that has good chemistry with Bet or with Tina? Or do you, I sometimes maybe feel like I'm blinded because I'm such a Tibet fan that I just can't see them with anyone else. I think people will argue that Tina and Helena had chemistry. Helena was such a different type of person in season two and was like not a person that I particularly loved in season two. I now appreciate her a little bit more, yeah. but I don't necessarily think they had chemistry. I no. think they were just attracted to each other. Yeah, I, I do like Tina and Helena because I think that like Helena did do a lot for Tina in that season. Her way of going about it wasn't always the best. Yeah. And I think she intentionally did try as much as possible to get under that skin. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't a huge fan of either, but um, I don't know. It's just so odd to think of them. I mean, even like I like Carrie's character, right? But mm-hmm. as a pairing, Tina and her are not it. They're so far from it. Yeah. Unless, unless Jen Q Tina is so different that, but we don't know that because we haven't really seen her. Yeah. And we're never, we're really not going to get to know her that much anyway. So I think we, I think I get the impression from the promo photos, at least that we are going to find out some more things about Tina in episode five. I mean, hold, geez. I feel like I have a feeling episode five is just going to be very heavy Porter Canard family episode. Yeah. Which I'm not mad about. No, not mad about. But anyway, back to the homewrecking whore. Yes. So after they get in the truck, the next scene we have, um, we're still, we still don't see any Tina yet. Now we're at the bed and breakfast hotel that I always laugh at. So I'm like, this is like the, I can't even use the word cute because it bothers, like it's not cute. It's like, (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. It reminds me of the cat bed and breakfast from Gilmore Girls in season (laughs) two that Lorelai and Rory run away to and Lorelai doesn't want to get married to Max. That's what it reminds me of. The Cheshire cat. One thing that I noticed, I was like, wow, Candace knew way too well for Bet not to put it on her credit card. I guess she's been a homewrecking whore to other people. Yeah, she was you know. She was on it. She was Johnny yep. on the spot. <laughs> well, and it's like I it's like I've said I said in the last episode. How stupid. Like they it doesn't matter if you use it doesn't matter if you use cash. People are gonna find out about this. Like you're not yeah. it, it, who has ever, I, I mean, I don't know really many people that have had an affair, but who has an affair and, keep, and gets kept a secret? Truly. I don't know. Honestly, let's let's be real. Maybe I'm sure someone has in, at some point, but I feel like even, I don't know. Now I'm just rambling. Anyway, but yeah, so they're at the hotel. They walk up the stairs. Beth still looks very guilty until she grabs uh, the plumber's neck. They start making out. A straight couple sees them and then they go and have their affair. Cut to Tina under a sink. Casual. Uh, casual. Tina's under the sink with Oscar. They have a quick little combo. Tina's like, great idea. You know what? I'm going to get this woman that's working with Bet. So she calls Bet's office. Bet's not there. Doesn't think it's strange that Bet's still not at work. Okay. Very trusting of Bet. Very trusting of Bet. 
Which, um, which that makes sense. A side note makes sense why it was so hard for Tina to regain her trust in Bet because she just trusted her unconditionally prior. And that's a that's a prime example there. Whereas like if she had an anxious behavior like Alice, if she had anxious personality like Alice, she'd have been like, oh my God, why isn't she at work? Like mm-hmm. she should be there, blah, 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 you know. Exactly. And then Tina get somehow gets in touch with Candace and Candace shows up to the house that Tina and Oscar are building right after she sleeps with Bette. Mm-hmm. Has this whole conversation, thinks that Tina's confronting her about the affair, realizes that she's not. Yeah. And agrees to work with Tina. This woman has issues. Yeah, totally. Like major issues. Like get away from them. Yeah. You don't get involved then with the with with the girlfriend when you're fucking the other one. Yeah. I mean, she's not she's not stellar at um, you know, being the other woman. She's, she's just putting herself right in the middle of everything right uh, so, it, we, what we know is that this is truly an affair to bet right we know as yes. time goes on and what we see in the venus season two is that like candace actually falls for that yeah which she how they, no, they never we never see anything of substance between them no i can't imagine them having a conversation no of any type of they come from two different worlds of I just can't with the overalls either. Like, I don't, I've had arguments <laughs> with people. I don't find the plumber attractive at all. No, I don't either. And I know my one friend was like, how can you not? And I said, I, no, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, under, I don't get it. I don't see it. The overalls are bothersome. We drag Jess a lot because she is, she thinks that um, the plumber and um, Bet were hot, hotter than Bet and Twink. Oh. And so we drag her ass a lot for being a supporter <laughs> of the plumber. It took me a long time to actually be able to rewatch the affair scenes. It took me a really long time to be able to rewatch them. It was very upsetting. Yes. But here we are. Once again, I'm going to say Taylor, phenomenal timing. Phenomenal. <laughs> Great job, Taylor. Um, so the next part where we see Bet and Tina finally together in this episode is at Mr. Piddle's funeral. Oh, yeah. And Tina looks great in her black getup. Bet shows up right from work. Tina asks Bet, "How was your day?" And Bet's like, Ugh. "And that's that. That's it for that scene, really." And then we just talk about Mr. Piddles, and uh, yeah, there's a cat funeral happening. Classic L word. Well, and we 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 jump into when Bet finds out about yes, Tina, you know, contracting with the Palmer. Yep, next scene, they're at home. They are fighting in the bedroom. Bet is giving off the weirdest excuses as to why Tina shouldn't have called her. Um, and then slams the door and yells, selfish. And then Tina throws a shoe at the door. Well, and you know, that's, again, she just trusts Bet so much. Like, okay, so you were trying to get a hold of Bet this morning. You couldn't. You also couldn't get a hold of the plumber at the same time. And now she's getting very defensive about the plumber. You also know that they were sharing a jail cell when they were locked up, you know, prior to that. Yeah. So she's like just completely oblivious that something could be happening. Totally. Because she can't believe that Bet would do that, even though Bet is a serial cheater. So then the next scene we see is the morning... Tina is getting ready to leave for the day and Bet slept on the couch and Bet wakes up and she is very tearful. She's very sad. She's trying to apologize. Tina does a great job at like accepting the apology, but not accepting the behavior. Yes. She's like, fine. I accept your apology, but like, she's not putting up with Bet's 
mood and attitude about it. And you could see that the affair, the guilt of the affair is eating away at Bet. But it's only eating away at Bet when she sees Tina. Yes. Because then we go into the next scene after all that. And Bet is at work and she sees Candace and Candace comes on to her again, like, lady. And Bet's like, we can't do this again, but doesn't really stop her. And then they start to have sex in her office against like that wall that's like about to fall down because it's made out of that very strange material. And it's loud. How is no one hearing them? How is this happening? How are they getting away with it? They threw caution to the wind. Yeah. They, <laughs> they just don't, they don't give a fuck. They don't give, they don't care the CAC. They're just so infatuated with each other, right? That they can't, yeah. you know, they couldn't bear to like leave their hands off one another. Exactly. And Bet like looks guilty during it, but she doesn't stop her. She just like, and this is where I feel like Bet also uses sex as a punishment. And maybe I'm thinking too much into it where it's like, by letting Candace fuck her, she is punishing herself because she is sabotaging her relationship with Tina once again. Yeah. And she, it's like a weird cycle of, of using sex as a punishment. I've never really thought about it that way, but you might be onto something there. Maybe, or I'm thinking way too much into it. That Porter psyche. Yeah. The next scene we see of them is now the shower scene where Bet looks beautiful with wet hair, but besides the point. Tina walks into the bathroom. She is trying to find Bet because they have to leave in 45 minutes and she finds a very saddened Bet on the ground in the shower and she picks her up. She consoles her. She comforts her. And then Bet breaks down and says, like, I want to start our family as soon as possible. And Tina says, I'm not ready. But we all know is a lie. And Bet breaking down the way she did in the shower was basically me when um, Muriel had informed me that Tina was pregnant in this episode as I never made the connection until very recently, like very recently, like in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I was basically Bet in the shower because I, that was that was just too much for me yeah it's just too much to consider that's a lot that's a lot of shit going on in one episode that is a lot and i i wonder i'm sure they did i'm sure like laurel knew that her that tina was going to be pregnant or maybe not you know you don't it it might not have been because she might not have known that she was going to be pregnant during the filming of season two so that could have been written in because there was three years between that time because they filmed the pilot in 2000 oh, yeah in the summer of 2002 and they didn't film um season she was pregnant in season two which was filmed in 05 because lola was born in november of 05 yeah that oh duh, i forgot about that i forgot that yeah so yeah they didn't so when they filmed the, the finale they had no idea they had no. a roll with it. They only filmed the pilot in 2001. They didn't film the whole season. Really? Yeah, they only filmed the pilot because you film the pilot and then you sell the and then like you have to then they watch the pilot and they sell it. But there still was some time there that had gone by between one and two, right? Yeah, yeah. There's so so then so what happens is like so they filmed the pilot in 01, then it has to get picked up by Showtime and all that. So Showtime picks it up. That's why they said they had to go back so much time later. You know, they, they went back like two years later or whatever. And they had to reshoot the, the pilot, the party scenes. Because they were- um, So then they filmed probably the rest of the season closer to when it aired. I'm- gotcha. That I did not know. 
So Bet is um, throwing herself a pity party, and but yes. over really quick because um, we go to the we go to the provocation show. She sees Candace while she's with Tina, and she kind of just scurries along. Mm-hmm. But Candace is there with a date, and Bet's kind of like, ooh, she's like a little jealous. And once again, what is Candace wearing? What are these outfits? <laughs> no offense, I didn't like Tina's dress either, so I'll yeah. just put that out there. Yeah. But anyway. But Tina yeah. sees them. Yes, and then Tina sees them. They're off in the corner. Tina sees them. She is shocked. Bet pulls away. And then enter the scene in the bedroom. You know what's interesting too is did Tina and Bet drive home together or did they take separate cars? No, they, they had to have driven home together. I'm sure Tina was dead silent in that car. Okay. I've thought about that before because yeah. I'm like, you wonder like, when do you confront the person? But I'm sure Tina needed to like work up some courage too. Sure. Just kind of the way she's sitting in that room. It's almost like she was waiting for Bet to get home so she could say like, yeah, I saw it. I'm curious. I just want to give out props to wardrobe. Um, whoever made the decision that Bet needed to walk in to the bedroom in just her bra and um, blazer don't know why don't know why that that would have been a thing like I don't it doesn't make sense to me how that happened like where did the shirt go but thank you for that because iconic moment for yeah. all of us to, to witness the great looks high-wise in those high-rise pants also while they were filming the scene Jennifer was on a uh, fast she decided to fast that week Laurel has commented many times about how strong Jennifer is, how hard it was to flip her. And yes. And one of the big things you wanted to talk about with this scene is that some people have opinions that this was rape. Yes. And I do not view it that way. I don't view it that way either. I never viewed it that way. I also might think it's, I mean, I can't be for certain, but maybe it's like a generational thing. I feel like a lot of younger fans see it more as a rape scene than mm-hmm. older fans. But I definitely agree with what Eileen has come out and said about it. It's a power struggle. Mm-hmm. The minute Tina flips onto her back, even though Bet's still on top of her, that the power shifts there. Tina's taking from Bet. And what Eileen said, what always like stuck with me was that you know, Tina is taking sex from Bet because she doesn't know if they're not going to have sex for a really long time or if this might be the last time that they do have sex. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it definitely starts off questionable. Like I remember watching me like, oh, oh, but then the minute Tina flips, Tina is consenting to having sex with Bet. I mean, she pulls Bet on into, you know, into her, onto her but I, it's always going to be a controversial scene. I don't think it's going to be a scene that ever ages well, but I do think that Jennifer and Laurel did a phenomenal job filming it. Yeah. Directed by, you know, President Grant Fitzgerald himself. <laughs> Tony Goldwyn. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was like, an, a, I think it's a good scene. I think it's, the one thing is like, we never, not that we need to see it again, but we never see that dynamic between them ever again. It was like a one and done. So when you ever, think we never see that dynamic with them again, explain that. We don't ever see them fight like that. I mean, they were physically fighting with each other. Tina slaps Bet. Sure. Bet jumps on top of her. Like, obviously you don't want to see domestic violence in a relationship, but then that's not them. Sure. And I guess that's just like the emotions of finding out someone was cheating on you and like Bet not, I mean, I think it was good of Bet not to deny it. 
Like, because I think Bet felt so guilty about it. And Bet does love Tina. It was never about not loving Tina. It was always about needing to give up control and to express emotion and have a release. It was never about loving Candace and not loving Tina. And I think it's always just going to be a controversial scene and everyone's going to have their own opinions, but that's how we feel about it. Yeah, I think they did, like like you said, I think that they did a phenomenal job of, of truly like um, displaying the heartbreak that comes with not only finding out about an affair, but of a relationship ending because they knew this was, they both knew this was it. Yeah, I think, and Bet knew that, I think Bet knew that before she even slept with Candace. I think she knew, she knew if she slept with Candace, that was going to be it. Yeah. And she says something very similar in season six when it comes to like with Kelly Wentworth. And she says, you know, if I, if I do anything, I know Tina, oh, T- Tina says it. Tina says to Kelly, flirt with her all you want because Bet knows that if she does anything, I'm gone. When we talk about it in 2024, um, we'll bring everybody up to speed on our thoughts on season six. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, that's, it's interesting that you said that about like Bet knew when she committed to going through with the affair that that was going to be the end of her relationship, which viewing it from that lens actually um, makes a lot more sense when you see her in the scenes earlier in this episode when she has the breakdown in the shower and when she's so remorseful on the couch because she's just, she's sabotaging herself. 100%. I, I think people blame Bet and like, yes, obviously Bet was the one who had the affair. Bet is the one to blame but she knew what she did was wrong. Like she felt that guilt and that remorse. And I think she really struggled with it, which I don't think it doesn't make it better, but I think she, you know, she's a human. She wasn't, it's not like she didn't feel anything. Well, and um, what we also know is that present day in Gen Q, that says to Sophie, you know, I cheated on you know, 17 years ago and I, I still regret it because it's, it was the catalyst that changed everything for them. Mm-hmm. They were always going to have issues, but if they didn't have the affair, like we said last week, those trust issues would never have been a problem. No, they wouldn't have. No. But now I think Beth's going to have trust issues with Tina. How many times did Tina walk out on her now? You know, Yes, the first one warranted there was the affair, but two times after that, there's some damage there. Yeah, and that's... That is unfortunately the cycle of mistake where that happens with them, right? Like Tina falls into this like complacent trap with Bet and letting her just run the show and do what she wants. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. But, but, but knowing that that is who she is and never saying like uh, that she doesn't love that about Bet because I think she, what she loves about Bet is that she doesn't love it when her relationship with Beth has to take a backseat. Yes. In this case, her marriage. And that's something that I pointed out to someone, I think in like DMs with like Gigi is that if it were to go anywhere, like in a, in a fantasy land, if it was actually to work, I think the difference between Gigi and Beth and Tina and Beth is that Gigi, and this is from my perspective, is that Gigi is okay with Beth taking up space because Gigi will stand next to Bet while she takes up the space where I feel like Tina felt like she had to stand behind Bet when she took up the space. Yes, yes, that's very well put. I agree 100%. And I think some of that is the the confidence and the reassurance in their own skin, right? Like yeah. we know that Tina 
does struggle with that. Like she, yeah. in a lot of ways, when she is next to Beth, she feels a little inferior. Mm-hmm. You know? Whereas like, she definitely can just hold her own and she's not, she's not gonna like shy away from who she is around anybody. Like definitely. That. Yeah, so this is um, just a wonderful Tibet episode. Just the, the best. Oh, top notch. Best way I could ever think to end season one. Um, season two is very also heartbreaking. <laughs> So as is three and half of four. So it's, it's not going to get any better for a while, actually. Forget it. <laughs> we have a brief moment of happiness at the very end of season two, but that's just on the horizon. It's just heartbreak. <laughs> heartbreak present day for Tibet. It's heartbreak where we are in the, in the reviews of, of the seasons. It really puts it into perspective when you're, while, while you're doing this of how much heartbreak there is. There is so much, you know, and I guess too, that's like, that's one of the the other reasons why I have such a hard time when people are like, you know, uh, Tibet, you know, Tibet doesn't deserve this, blah, 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 blah. Like, we saw more of Bet, Tibet apart in the original series than we saw them together. Exactly. And there was no fucking way that they were going to mend all of those issues overnight. No. Like everyone that keeps saying like, oh, well, they, they were, they come so far and they learned so much. No, they didn't no they just realized that they missed each other yeah that's always <laughs> what brings them back together is they fucking miss each other yeah they miss like having that companionship with each other that friendliness and because they know each other better than anyone else exactly and they I can comfort each other better i think sometimes that can get muddled for them like they don't know where that connection ends and where the romantic begins or is it all intertwined i don't know yeah and maybe as Maybe as Tina has gotten older, she's just kind of realized that like she doesn't so much need all that romance. She wants the companionship. Because mm-hmm. I don't see anything super romantic about her and Carrie together. I don't get romantic vibes. No, I just get like companionship and and like just someone who's calm and Carrie's going to let Tina be the center of attention and Carrie's going to stand behind her and let her have that. But I don't know if Tina's going to know what to do with that. No, I don't think so. I don't, I think Tina's going to miss that spontaneity, that excitement, that... The drama. Yeah. The drama that that brings. And, like, I know Laurel said in that one interview that, that, that she did, like, Tina's different now. Tina doesn't want that. Like, Tina doesn't want the drama or that excitement. But also, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think Bet is, Bet's not the same Bet she was in the original series. Bet has calmed down. Yes. They're at the age now where it's, like, they're not... Bet, Bet is going to be ambitious with her career, but it's not going to be... It's not going to be what it was. It's not the same. It's not that. I don't know. And also, like Angie's going to go away to college, and then they're both going to be. Parenting is done, for the most part. I think that the the same, um, like way that we kind of saw them drifting even before Bet had the affair in season one, is probably very much what happened in their divorce. Yeah. Like they just were drifting. They weren't on the same page. They weren't like putting their marriage at the forefront, and thus. They weren't communicating. All right. And Tina is very guilty of just being like, oh, well, this need isn't being met. So I have to go. Exactly. And I think that comes from maybe like past traumas in her life. 100%. Whereas like Bet, when Tina and Bet got back together in season six or season ends of season five, Bet was convinced that was it. Like she did the work that it's like mm-hmm. she can hang up the belt. Like she good. she's good. Yeah. This is for life now. 
I feel like Bette has unconditional love for Tina and Tina's love can be conditional with that. Yeah. <gasps> Who am I? What am I saying? We, that's the most controversial line that always goes, that gets passed around the fandom. Phoebe's writing a thesis on why Tina loves Bette more. <laughs> but I still feel like most people see it the way we do, where like Bette loves Tina unconditionally, where Bette can't live without Tina, but Tina knows how to live a life without Bette. And is it going to be Tina's best life? No. I don't think so. Mm-mm. But is it going to be like the easiest? Like if she were to stay with Carrie, like Carrie and her end game, like she would be pretty simple for her. Exactly. Yeah, it would be. And if simplicity is truly what she wants, like Laurel said, then she has it. Yeah. But if she wants the passion and the fire and the connection like she has with Bet, that's, you know, unfortunately, it's not always the easiest. It's rarely easy, actually. Yeah. It's so complex with them. It is. And it always has been. Um, I have such a hard time because in liking, in liking Gen Q bet so much, Mm -hmm. I feel my heart breaks for her. Yeah. You know, and Tina, like, what what do you got? What are you going to do? How are you, how are you going to win her back? Yeah. Or I used to very much think like, it's got to be both of them. And I think there has to be effort on both sides, but like Tina, what, what are you, what work are you going to do on yourself mm-hmm. if you are serious about getting back with that? I'm just curious, like how they're like, we, I'm going to be honest. Like I totally see them getting back together at some point. I can't imagine this series ever ending with them not back together. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even imagine it being on one of those like open-ended questions of like, you're supposed to assume they're back together. How are the writers going to make it where Tina has a realization that she has to be back with Bet. I would hope, I would hope that it, that Tina and Carrie split and Tina actually spends some time by herself. Yes. Because that is one piece that's always been missing. She was single for like five minutes in the original series. That she was- jumps from person to person. Yes. And when we talked after Henry, it was like Henry to Kate to Sam, back to yeah. Bet. Her strongest was like when she was actually single and just dating. Mm-hmm. And she was just dating Kate and she was just dating Sam and she was just dating Brenda. Like she wasn't in a relationship with these people. Yeah. That was like when we saw her blossom so much and we need to see more of that because her identity gets so lost in whoever she's with. Yes. Like that's a difference. That's a big difference. I feel like between her and Bet is like Bet stands alone. And yeah. when Tina is with Bet, it's so much of who she is. And I think that there's there's healthy parts of that, right? Mm-hmm. That's important. But you still have to be able to stand on your own two feet independently. Definitely. And they need to find, she needs to find that. She does. So we're four days away. How many? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Four days away. Four days away from, finding, from getting closer to another Tibet scene. Yes. <laughs> oh, Marja, please don't break our hearts even more. Oh, no. If that hand stays limp. <laughs> we're all you're just gonna hear the whole world is just gonna hear women screaming sure on thursday night if that ha- well in two weeks if that hand stays limp oh they better not skip any weeks either we better get it next week it no it has to be next week because then they're not laurel's not the only saving grace is that laurel's in episode nine by herself okay rose o'donnell's not in episode nine that's gonna be interesting but pippa's also in that episode right 
I know, but it's Andrew's prom, so that's interesting. Well, this has been the most depressing episode of All Things Tibet, episode 22. I'm Brittany. I'm Francesca. And uh, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.